here today on the Peak 347 podcast. We have Nikki. And Nikki, where do you live right now? What part of the world are you in? Right now, I'm in Amsterdam, uh, but I lived in Tokyo for the past 10 years. Okay. So I was looking back at um some things that you said that you wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing you want to talk about was living and starting a business in Tokyo. What are yeah. some obstacles that you think people face living and starting a business in Tokyo? Well, first of all, the language barrier, of course, um, because uh, everything, oh, pretty much everything is in Japanese. Uh, fortunately, if you want to start a business, there is also some help for uh, people who are not fluent in Japanese. So there's a kind of like a chamber of commerce type thing where you can go and get some more information about what type of business you should start, like um ltd or um uh work as a freelancer or whatever what are the tax benefits um okay and are they kind of and are they like the um business structures out there kind of like how we have here in the united states we have like llc's and stuff like that s corps uh yeah yeah it's it's quite similar to that so um yeah that's difficult especially with the tax returns uh but fortunately the tax office is really helpful and you can make an appointment and they'll come and see you and sort everything out because the first year i had to do my tax return i got like a booklet like this thick and i was <laughs> like oh, <laughs> how am i gonna do that and of course everything in japanese so i got very um um overwhelmed by everything it's like how i'm gonna manage and uh yeah fortunately they were very relaxed about it and said yeah just okay bring all your receipts everything will help you sort it out so okay uh, so that was good but i guess the the biggest hurdle for me was um yeah culturally you know there's some biases towards women in japan so being a dutch business owner in japan definitely there were uh, some people that were like oh you know you're a foreigner you're a woman and so obviously you don't know what you're doing so they weren't all as helpful as I would have liked them to be so um, also some people would be like oh why don't you even want to start your own business you know your husband is making enough money so uh why even bother and uh, if you make too much money then uh it it might be hurtful for you uh in terms of uh, not falling under his insurance anymore and not and having to arrange something yourself for a pension and that kind of thing so some people were really trying to dissuade me like oh it's not common for women in japan to start a business and uh, they prefer to just be a housewife so why don't you just do that and uh, you you don't have to work and just uh, be the expat wife so yeah that yeah. that, that um, uh, preconception that I faced when I wanted to start out okay so it sounds pretty traditional out there in Japan oh yeah for sure. yeah okay yeah, yeah. so as far as starting your business um was it difficult to actually get it up and running? And did a lot of people show you support out there, you know, being a woman entrepreneur? 
Uh, yeah, you know, the I did get the impression that <laughs> uh, some people are like, well, you know, there's a lot of risk involved with starting your own business and you need to get insurance and you need uh, so many things um, that you need to take care of. So why even bother? So uh, some people did try to scare me out of not starting to begin with, but I was very determined and was like, yeah, this is really what I want to do and I want to do it right. I don't want it to be some kind of hobby. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I persevered. And even though people were telling me like, oh, you don't even need to do this and just go back to being the expat wife and just uh, drinking tea with your girlfriends or something. <laughs> I was like, no, this is what I'm going to do. I need this in my life right now. So I don't care and uh, I will make it work. So, yeah. OK, so um, if you don't mind me asking, are you married or are you um? <laughs> single and living in Japan by yourself? Um, no, um, I was married at the time when I started the company. Okay. So um, in 2011, I was living with my then boyfriend for five years in Amsterdam. And um, he is uh, originally Japanese, but uh, he went to Netherlands as a baby with his parents. So he basically grew up around here and... Um, had no experience living and working in Japan. So uh, sorry, this is Miko. He <laughs> be the center of attention at all times. Um, anyway, so um, when we were living together for five years, he proposed this idea to me, like, how would you uh, like to live in Japan for like two, three years? Because, uh, yeah, at some point we might want to have kids. And then if we have kids in Amsterdam, we'll probably never make it to Japan. So we re really need to decide right now what we're going to do so I told him yeah sure see if you can find a job I'll come with you and I really underestimated what it was going to mean I thought oh you know I have a bachelor's degree my English isn't bad I mean Tokyo New York Sydney London that's all very <laughs> international so I'm sure Tokyo will be the same you know I'll I'll get a job and uh, it'll be fine and then when I couldn't and everywhere was like, oh, so you're fluent in Japanese, right? So uh, I thought, oh, I'll just study Japanese for a year and then uh, I'll be fluent and I'll get a job. And still I couldn't find a job. Um, so that's when a friend of mine gave me the idea, like, why don't you start your own business? And uh, at first I was a bit hesitant, but then I thought, yeah, why not? Uh, I mean, it will be fun and give me something to do, a new experience. I should just, uh... well, I was also in the luxury position that I was married. So my husband was basically uh, supplying the income. So I didn't really yeah. need the money, but it was more like as a yes. Dutch woman, you're raised to be very independent and take care of your own shit and don't rely on anyone else. And, you know, you have your own job and, uh, and then I was suddenly in Japan being the housewife and uh, yeah, you know, and, and your whole identity is also kind of caught up with what you do for a living. So if I would yeah. go to parties, people would be like, oh, so what do you do? Like, um, I'm a housewife right now. <laughs> so you see their gaze like, oh, yeah, I think I see someone over there. I'll check in with you later. It was nice meeting you. And then they'd be off like, okay, well, nice. Thank you. Apparently I'm no longer interesting now that I don't have a job. 
so yeah, uh, those were uh, big triggers for me to start my own company and and not having to be financially independent straight away and just take it slowly and really um, learn on the job, so to speak, um, was really beneficial for me, especially to start off in a country where you're not fluent in the language and you don't know anything about the legal implications and insurance yeah. and all of those things so uh yeah that was okay. uh, real but i'm i'm pretty sure that it was kind of easy for you to learn the language and get a hang of things right did they provide <laughs> uh, a lot of like um material or like free um language classes or something like that or did you have to pursue it on your own oh uh, no yeah i had to pursue it on my own i mean okay. there is a dutch community in tokyo and uh a lot of the women were all having classes at the same spot. So they said, oh, yeah, it'll be fun and we can hang out after class. So I thought, OK, well, that that'll be fun. Yeah. So I started <laughs> the classes. But the thing was, the teachers couldn't speak any English. So they were explaining everything in Japanese. Mm. So after the class, I was just looking everything up online and like what does this even mean like I, <laughs> I don't understand any of it and it's not like I mean of course I was raised in Europe so I'm used to studying languages and speaking multiple languages but I mean like German Dutch English is kind of comparable so even yeah. if you don't understand it completely you still might have some idea and the same with Spanish French uh, Italian and Portuguese I mean it's not exactly the same but the base is the same so some words are similar so it's easier but Japanese except for a lot of English loan words that they completely butcher <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> to kind of hang your hat on or to kind of give you any idea what like the sentence structure is completely different the grammar is completely different the writing is completely different so it was definitely and you know also Japanese is a low context language and English is a high context language meaning that um, in English and in Dutch you just say what's on your mind you just say like oh um, uh, how do you feel about this uh, is this something you would go for and uh, and someone will just say oh yeah yeah it sounds like a good idea or like no I don't think that's something for me but Japanese is a high context language meaning that you have to read in between the lines so people will not trade out tell you what's on their mind or how they feel about things or even give you yes or no answer yeah they will say things like chotto and that can mean basically anything so it's all about the pronunciation and like their body language and uh, uh how well do you know them what kind of impression you get off them like in business meetings as well people will never straight away tell you like oh that's a crap idea or uh, <laughs> So, yeah, doing business in Japan, it's it's so complicated and there's so many unwritten rules uh, and so many opportunity for you to mess up because you have no idea what you're doing and you didn't even know that it something is a thing. And then uh, later on, if you talk to your Japanese friends or, or Japanese people and you explain what happened, then they're like, oh, yeah, of course, you didn't know about that. I'm like, oh, how was I supposed to know? No, I didn't know that 
if you uh, walk in with an umbrella that is not uh, dry because it's been raining, then um, that can be a make or break moment. And uh, if the umbrella is dripping with water then and you don't do anything about it, then uh, that is enough for people to go like, oh, okay, well, this is obviously not uh, the right partner for us to uh, do business with. Like, how are you supposed to know? <laughs> So, yeah. So speaking of that, um, Cyber was telling me about the most of the leadership out there in business is um mostly male dominant. Exactly. Um, so how does how did um having a male dominant leadership in business affect pretty much everything as far as you working in like like a regular job or maybe even trying to partner with somebody? Like, could you partner with other male business owners or did they look at you like, oh, this is a woman. We don't trust her. We don't want to work yeah, with her. Stuff know, like that. Yeah, they uh, um, a lot of uh, hotel owners and um, transportation companies and restaurants would not take me seriously and would not even contemplate doing business with me. And uh, they would just come up with an excuse Um why they wouldn't but later on I found out it was mostly to do with the fact that I'm a a foreigner and b a woman so therefore not mm. trustworthy and not an equal business partner um so yeah that was definitely challenging so now I generally use middlemen for those kind of things um and I try to focus on what I can do and where my strengths lie lies and not so much focus on all the things that are frustrating me or yeah. uh, are holding me back so you will never change japan you will never change the japanese attitude in many ways they're stuck in the 50s uh so if you're going to be the foreigner who's going to change the world you're not so you <laughs> might as well just accept that that's the case and learn to deal with it effectively and not waste your time trying to persuade them that you are different from what they are uh, expecting or what kind of weird bias they have towards you so um yeah just find out what works and uh, try not to lose too much energy on uh, what's not working um so yeah i mean i've had so many times where people just not they in a business setting they will just ghost you <laughs> they just do not want to deal with you so they just stop uh replying to your emails and uh you ask them for a proposal and they're like uh, okay well no <laughs> like, you don't <laughs> want my money no okay fine that's crazy so, yeah. but um yeah. so okay so for your business tokyo tours mm -hmm. I looked at it, the social, uh, your, your Instagram, it seems to be doing really good. I'm guessing that it's still up and running and everything. Yeah. And is that the one that you use the middlemen for? Uh, no, I mean, for my social media channels, I do everything myself. So okay. uh, my background is in uh, marketing and communication. So that has always been something that I wasn't totally bad at. Um, but, um, uh, you know, you have, something in japan that's called a dmc and the dmc is basically a fixer so they can reserve the hotels they can um help you with uh, 
airline tickets. They can help you with restaurant reservations. They can help you with uh, train tickets, uh, entrance tickets to uh, parks and that kind of thing. So basically, I just focus on uh, my core business, which is guided tours. And I can offer other stuff, but I'll just use the middleman for that because I just don't have the volume to get the... I mean, Japan is not a country that does anything on commission basis. It, they don't do discounts. So they are not flexible in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So this is the price, take it or leave it. Uh, so you need a local... Japanese male person to do the negotiations for you and um, yeah I have a lot of connections so I have my own um, um, set up with them uh, regarding pricing and that kind of thing and I'll just kind of uh, throw it their way like can you just fix it and let me know what it costs and uh I'll I'll deal with the client myself, but uh, you do all the stuff that I don't want to do. And Mm -hmm. that is basically, that's the best way for me because it just doesn't pay to try and get into all of that yourself because it takes a lot of time. There's a lot of risk and uh, there's very little payback. So just let other people figure that out. Okay. I mean, that's pretty smart though. Yeah. Well, to me, it sounds pretty smart. But, um... Yeah, I mean, yeah. You just need to know where your strength lies and where you can add value in the uh, supply chain, and focus on that primarily because there's no sense. I mean, I have burned my hands on that before, uh, and uh, generally speaking, it it will take up a lot of your time, and uh, the payback is just insignificant. So just uh, focus on the guided tours and let other partners do the rest okay that's pretty good i'm actually happy for you about that but um i see that you put something about um how you pronounce it ikigai Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you put um the concept of ikigai what would that be what is the concept of that well ikigai uh kind of encompasses a lot of things so it is um kind of like uh, your reason for living, uh, so to speak. So it encompasses everything. So like, what are you good at? What is your passion? Uh, Where can you add value? Um, What are your uh, goals in life? Um, What are you trying to achieve? So it, it has all these bubbles and it kind of all overlaps in one way or another. And, um, yeah, if you can answer all these questions for yourself, like what gives, brings me joy? Uh, what And also the other side, like what really annoys me and what drains my energy and what type of people can I totally not work with? Then stay away from everything that is just <laughs> draining and negative and try to focus on the positive. So Ikigai is all about that, finding your passion, finding uh your truth finding um what you're good at what you um yeah what uh what is the reason for you wanting to be an entrepreneur and uh okay so just basically overall finding your purpose but is it related to is it just related to business or is it just like like you said just for like um your purpose in life or your reason yeah 
that you're here. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you can you can uh, put this in a business sense. So, like, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? But it can also be like, what do you want to get out of life? What kind of partner do you want to get in your life? Or what kind of relationship do you want? So you can apply it to many different fields. And it kind of gives you some insights of uh, who are you as a person? What are your core values? Uh, what are you trying to achieve? And what is the best way to get where you want to go? Okay. And Ikigai, is it kind of like um, like a, a spiritual kind of deal? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there are some... Um, uh, it, it also has to do with uh, Shintoism, you know. Um, uh Japanese people strongly believe that, uh, yeah, in order to find um, inner peace, that you need to balance your life and need to take stock of uh, what brings you joy, what uh, what are you good at, what are you trying to achieve, and only through answering those questions can you really find happiness. What are some cultural differences? between living in Japan and living in the Netherlands. But I think we already touched on that topic, but we didn't yeah, really talk I, about the Netherlands. Well, I mean, uh, like I said, Dutch people are known to be very direct. Uh, we uh, don't beat around the bush. We don't like small talk, generally speaking. So we like to get yeah. down to business. So, um yeah, and that way we are totally different from uh, Japanese people. Like Japanese people are very uh, poetic in their emails. Like, oh, the leaves are starting to fall. There's uh, <laughs> a crisp air, and the 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 fragrance of autumn is uh, here. And 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 they go on for like three paragraphs before they finally get to the point. <laughs> Yeah, whereas we Dutch people are like, ah, can we just hurry this along? Yep, get so, right to the uh, point. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, we like broad sweeping ideas. So if we have a meeting, the first meeting is kind of get people inspired and to kind of give them a general sense of where we want to go and uh, what we have in mind and just do the outline and color in in between the lines later whereas japanese people are uh yeah for lack of a better word detail obsessed so they don't do bullet points so if you want to do a powerpoint presentation all the information has to be there the whole slide <laughs> can be any white space everything needs to be filled in and they need the numbers they need everything they need the timeline they need all of it and then still at the end of the meeting they're like oh yeah thank you very much and then you're like <laughs> uh, okay so what just happened here yeah that sounds that uh, sounds like a lot yeah i will have to take those presentations about three or four times before i actually can get a hold of what's going on yeah exactly and and japanese people cannot really say what's on their mind except when they are completely plastered so <laughs> after a business meeting, you need to try to get the executives to go out drinking with you because that's the only time when they can kind of let their face <laughs> come out, uh, as they say in Japanese, their true face and their true colors and to really say what's on their mind and to really say like, oh, this is not going to work or whatever. Um, 
because they're not going to say it in a business meeting. So unless you are very empathetic and um, you are good at reading body language, you're not going to get much further from doing the business meeting. So it's kind of behind the meetings where all the business gets done. Whereas Dutch people are like, yeah, we need, we're on a contract. <laughs> you need to get this. Uh, just uh, hit it out of the field already. Let's sign it and get it done and get it going and uh, yeah we are much more pragmatic that way and we're very direct and we're not formal at all we're we're like uh call each other by first name and uh we will just say oh you know that's a really crap idea and uh, that's not gonna work and it doesn't matter if the person is like an intern he can go up to the ceo and say you know that's a terrible idea that's never going to work and the ceo as long as you have arguments to kind of um uh Back explain yeah 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 then then he's actually going to sit down and listen to what you have to say whereas in japan it's very hierarchical so people who just came from school basically do not have a say so usually no one will ask and if someone does ask then they have to refer to their senior person like oh i don't know anything and uh, i'm stupid uh, i have no experience you have to ask my senior he's very knowledgeable and uh, he will give you the right answer whereas yeah gotcha best, yeah no you're a student okay. you have new ideas uh, you know what's going on uh, let us learn from you thank you nikki for being here tonight um thank you all too. right so take care you have a good yeah, night let's uh, stay in touch